so much to thank him for that's one of the things that we do when we worship is we just lavish him with the praise and adoration and the thankfulness that he deserves but another thing that we do is we just seek his heart we invite his presence we invite him to speak to us like only he can and so I just want to encourage you let this song be a prayer let this song be a cry as we just invite him to move to do what only he can do.
about that word revival think about the presence of God and who he is in his spirit just manifesting itself in our lives and there's so many things that that hinder us that we've put before God 
almost thinking that those things are going to be what satisfies us. Those things are going to be what fills the longing inside of us. But there's only one thing that can fill those longings, and that's Jesus and Jesus alone. And so I don't know what your story is like. I don't know where you've come from or, or whether this whole Jesus thing is new to you, but I can tell you when, when every single one of us is a longing because we were made to worship him. We were made to commune with him. So he truly is the only thing that can satisfy. And I would just encourage you to just open your heart to him. Allow him to speak. Allow him to, to fill those voids that, that you've been trying to fill with so many other things. And, and your story and your journey might be, you know what? Uh, I've been in a relationship with Jesus my whole life. And as Pastor James is going to talk about this morning, that sometimes that can become a place of lukewarmness and it might just be a point where you know what God I'm sorry that I've allowed other things to creep in and be at the forefront of my life be on the throne of my heart and I just want to encourage you in this time lay those things at the feet of Jesus just invite him to do what only he can in these moments say you know what God I'm sorry for the days that I've wandered I just want to worship you so let's open our hearts and open our lives to him as we swing this song out together I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave Oh, I not here for blessings Cause Jesus you don't owe me anything Cause more than anything that you can do I just want you And I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. And I'm sorry when I've come with my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to you. I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to We're not here for blessings Cause Jesus you don't owe us anything Cause more than anything that 
want you. So let this rise. I just want you. And nothing else. And nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. And nothing else. And nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else could ever satisfy. Nothing else will ever do. Cause nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. in these moments. Let's not rush out. His presence is all in this room. And there's no greater place than just to be in his presence. Just to sit before him. Nothing else will do. We 
just want you and nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want to take a moment to pray for I fear that there are some of you that you know the things that you've elevated above God and in this moment you even feel like there's this place where you just need to surrender. Just in these moments saying, God, I've made so many other things important in my life. I've tried to just keep control, but right now I believe that you're just telling me to surrender, telling me to take a step towards you. So I just pray, Father, for all those people that just want to put you on the throne of their lives. Father, that right now in these moments that you are just speaking, that they feel your presence, they feel your leading. Father, and if this it's their first time even just encountering you, and they're just seeking, Father. Your word says that those who seek will find. God, and so I know and I believe that people are going to find you for the first time today, Lord. And so I pray as Pastor James comes and he brings the word that you've put on his heart, Lord. God, that we would just be receptive. We would be open to what you want to do here this morning. God, we pray that you would just continue to move. Continue to refine, continue to speak, Lord, so that we truly can just become more like you and just walk in closeness and intimacy with you, Father. God, we love you. We praise you and we give you all honor and all glory. For in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can be seated. Good morning, good morning. How are you doing today? All right, that was a little bit better than the first service. Let's try that again. Good morning, how are you doing today? Yeah, yeah, good to have you here today. I wanted just to remind you of our September the 5th fireworks celebration. I was going to say extravaganza, can be that too, fireworks and celebration. You know, we want you to come and be a part of that. It will be the beginning of kind of fully opening the church up again, and so we're excited about that. And there'll be some fireworks, there'll be some stuff for the kids, their bounce houses, uh, music, uh, and then the fireworks display at the end of the night. And so that's from about 4.30 to dark, and we're inviting you to come. We gave you, you should be able to pick one of these up on the way out at the, at the fireworks table. And we want you to invite someone, bring someone with you. It's all free. You can, uh, you can do some tailgating, some different things like that. But we want you there as we celebrate together and do life in community together. So don't forget about that. Take one of these home with you and give it to a neighbor, give it to a friend, someone at work, whatever the case might be. Invite someone else and don't come along. Say, we've been in this series and we're wrapping up the first part of this series uh, called Start at Home. And the whole perspective, the whole thing of this was John is on the Isle of Patmos and uh, God comes to him and says, I want you to write what is and I want you to write what is to come. And so what was during those days were seven churches in Asia Minor. And so we've been talking about it. Next week, we'll start to start at the throne. Start at the throne and we'll begin to go to the throne room and begin to see what will be. 
Now, we'll tease you with that for two weeks, uh, this, the rest of this month, and then we'll stop on Revelation, and we'll start again next summer. Revelation is a three-summer series, and so we'll start again next series, uh, next summer, excuse me. So we started this series talking about what if we were able to, to go to our nearest Starbucks or McDonald's or some nice little nook in your, in your home somewhere, and what if you were sitting across the table, and what if Jesus was at the table, and you were able to ask him a question or a couple of questions? What if you were able to say to Jesus, Jesus, uh, I really just want to know what's really important to you. Jesus, what is that that captures your heart? What is that that, that makes your heart beat faster? What do you care about? What's really important to you? What do you think he would say? I, I, I guess if I was to poll the audience, I'd, you would say a number of different things, but I think he would say, my church. My church is important to me. It is my body, and I care about the church. And, and, and he would say, because I cared about it, I gave John a message to give to the church because I care about the church. And I think if you were to ask Jesus what was really important to him, he would say something like this, I know how busy you are. I know you get caught up in doing many things for the family, many things for the church, for the body of Christ, and many things for me. But I want you to keep first things first. Don't forget about the important things. Don't forget about your love relationship with me. Remember your first love. He say, I know things are tough sometimes. They're tough all around the world and some tough things in your life. Some of you are going through incredibly, uh, incredible suffering now, physical, emotional, spiritual suffering. Don't give up. Look up and look out. There is a future. There is hope no matter what. We've heard Jesus say at that metaphorical table across from us, we've heard him say, it's easy to get confused about truth. It's easy to get caught up in lies. Any of us who thinks that that's not true, we're lying to ourselves. We've heard him say to us, recognize that your doubts come out of your relationships and who you choose to spend time with will determine the truth that you and I live Jesus is looking at you this morning, and he's saying, here's what's important to me. It hurts me to see people tolerate and accept what, that which they thought was at one time evil. He told us this clearly. Stay uncomfortable with everything that violates Scripture. We heard Jesus say to us, if you feel like you're not going to make it, don't give up. Wake up. Wake up to my love. Wake up to the truth of who I am and what I can do in your life, even when you're at your worst times of life. And we heard him say just last week, things are going great. Find your opportunities and your strength in me. Well, Jesus has one final message for the one last church, the church in Laodicea. And it's found in chapter 3 of Revelation. And I'm going to read it, which you hear what Jesus is saying to the church. Write to Laodicea, to the angel of the church, God's yes, the faithful and accurate witness, the first of God's creation says, 
I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. Far better for you, for you to be cold uh, or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. Man, that's hard. You brag, I'm rich, I've got it made. I need nothing from anyone oblivious to the fact that you're pitiful. You're a pitiful, blind beggar, threadbare, and homeless. Here's what I want you to do. Buy your gold from me. Buy gold that's been through fire's fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough. And buy medicine for your eyes from me so you can really see. The people I love, I call into account, prod, correct, guide, so that they will live at their best. Up on your feet then, about face, right? Run after God. Look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me, call and open the door. I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. And I love this part. Conquerors, conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table just as I have conquered and took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's the gift. That's the gift to conquerors. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. So what does Jesus say to a complacent church? He says, see yourself like never before. See yourself like never before. In other words, he's saying, view the real you. And, and here's what he says, in order for us to understand who we are, we've got to understand who he is. In fact, we can't even see our true selves if we can't know God for who he really is. And so what he does at the beginning here is he begins to tell us some stuff about him so then he can tell us some stuff about us. It's very interesting. So, so because here's the deal, sometimes we can use other people as the standard of measure when it comes to our spiritual life. And you know what I decided? I decided I can always find someone that's doing worse off than I am. I can always find that person to compare myself to. And then what happens is I look real good. Remember, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus says a Pharisee and a tax collector gets up to pray. And the Pharisee gets up and he looks up, up and he says, God, you're really lucky to have me. Man, I tithe. I do all this stuff. I'm not like that guy. And then the Bible says that that guy doesn't even look up. He bows his head and he just says something like this. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible says this guy right here, not this guy over here, went away justified with God. See, the Pharisee could always compare himself to that guy and look good, but that's not our comparison. If we're talking about our spiritual lives, we need to compare ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's when things get hard. Because here's what Jesus goes on to tell us things about himself, things that are true. He says, first of all, he says, I am the yes. Well, that's an interesting description. I am the yes. That, that's who I am. So, so be it. When we say amen at the end of our, our prayers, we're saying this, yes, 
The fact that Jesus calls himself God's yes reminds us of something that Jesus is worthy of. God is, Jesus is worthy of our time. He's God's yes, that's it. When we get to the end of history, we're going to say Jesus. When everything wraps up, when everything wraps up in history, he's going to be the yes. He is where everything is headed. He is worthy of my time and your time. The second thing that he says about himself is, I am also faithful and accurate witness. I am the faithful and accurate witness. He's not, worthy, he's not only worthy of my time, he's worthy of your trust and my trust. He's faithful, he's accurate, and he's true. There are a lot of people that will talk to you today, and you might be able to trust what they're saying. You may be able to think that they're accurate, but the reality is no one is always accurate and no one is always faithful except for Jesus. And so he says, I am the accurate, faithful one that you can trust. And so, so we have a God who's worthy of our time and he's worthy of our trust. And then he goes on to talk about being the first of God's creation. The word here is the beginning. He's also worthy of my worship my time, my trust, my worship, because he made everything. He made you, he knows you, he knows me, he knows everything about us, so he understands us. And because he understands us so well, he knows what we need to hear to be who he created us to be. That's important. He's able to help us see the real truth about ourselves. So... So now that we know who God is, before we go further, I want to just give you a little bit of background information. The reason why I'm doing this is so that you will know that this is not some form letter that he sent. This is not some letter that he sent to, to a, a form letter uh, like we're used to getting. When I, was, uh, when I was being recruited to go to college, I used to get these letters every two weeks. I got these letters that were supposed to be from the head of the department, Henry Spaulding, at the time. And, and I, was, I was feeling good about getting these letters because I was like, man, this, this is great. This guy is writing me a letter every two weeks encouraging me to come to college and to do college. And I got there, and I got in one of his classes, and I saw his signature, and then I realized that wasn't that guy writing me. That was a form letter. Somebody in his office, somebody in his office is writing a form letter and forging his signature. I want you to know that these letters that Jesus wrote to the churches were specifically for them. And when I give you this historical background, you'll understand why Laodicea didn't have a water supply that, was, that, was, that could fit the city. The city was bigger than the water supply they had. So there were a couple of towns nearby Heropolis and Colossae. Heropolis happened to be a source of hot water. There was a hot water spring there that people would go to and visit there, and, and they would take these healing baths. And, it, and if they took the hot water from Heropolis and tried to truck it to Laodicea, it would cool off before they got there, and it would become lukewarm. Colossae was a cold water place, and it had these refreshing cold water springs. And so the water was so good in Colossae that they built these aqueducts from, uh, from there to Laodicea. But as time went through, as the, as the water would go through, because they were 
open aqueducts, of course the water would not be cold when it got to Laodicea. In fact, the water sometimes, because it was open, would become a little brown. Just imagine if you turned your water on, and <laughs> some of you might have this happen every now and then, but if you turned your water on, it was brown. That, that would be a little concerning to you. I mean, you would want to call the, the water, you would want to call the county or the city or wherever county where you live and say, what's going on with the water, right? Or if, imagine if you turned your cold water on and you never got cold water. All you got was just lukewarm water. You would be concerned. So they knew all about lukewarm water in Laodicea. They got it. So when Jesus talked about this, this was not a surprise to them. Say, for instance, we had three cups. And so say, for instance, in this cup is cold water. And say, uh, let's say in this one, there's lukewarm water. And let's say in this cup right here, there's hot water. All right? So you got three cups. Why would Jesus say that he would rather have us cold in our faith than lukewarm in our faith? If you're cold, you know it. You know where you stand. The problem with being lukewarm is you have no idea where you stand. Lukewarm. You know, we can become lukewarm. And if we have a lukewarm faith, we become lukewarm to the purposes of God, right? I mean, if we have a, if, if, our, if our passion for worship is lukewarm, that's not real worship. Because worship is not what we do when we gather in a place like this or gather at home in community. That's not worship. Worship is a 24-7 lifestyle of giving God worth through our actions, through our talk, and our walk. That's what worship is. If you think that what you do when you gather here or you gather online and that's worship and you sing some songs, is that's worship. That's important. That's part of it. But worship happens 24-7. If you have a lukewarm love for reaching people. That's not real outreach. Ah, uh, okay, today I feel like it, tomorrow I don't. That's not real outreach. If you have a lukewarm energy for spiritual growth and discipleship, growing and becoming more like Jesus, ah, uh, today I feel like it, tomorrow I don't, that's not really discipleship. If you have a lukewarm ministry, desire to do ministry, that's not real ministry. Real ministry is about giving totally of ourselves in service to the kingdom. And some of you are thinking right about now. That's me. I don't know how I got here. That wasn't the plan. I was always so piping hot. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was I got too busy. Maybe I, I got too involved. And then there are others listening to me today that you've been cold for a long time and you know it. And you're, you're just thinking, like, why am I even here today? Hot, cold, lukewarm, cold. Hopefully not many people are in that category, but if you are, if you're listening to me and you're cold, I just want, to know, want you to know that there's a God who can supernaturally change your spiritual temperature and get you to hot. Maybe you've been drugged here. Maybe you didn't even want to come. You've literally just been drugged here by someone. Well, you're not here by accident. 
God wants to do something. You're not listening by accident. God wants to do something. Hot. Hot is not perfect. Hot is not perfect. It's passionate. I mean, none of us are perfect. So to be on fire for Christ and to have a deep love for Christ doesn't mean you're perfect. None of us are perfect. It means you have a passion for the things of God. And then lukewarm. You know, if, if, if I had hot water in, in a cup like this, it would already be lukewarm. If I, if I had a hot water at the beginning of the message, it would always already be lukewarm because all you got to do to be lukewarm is just to hang out and to add nothing to the culture. We're, we're, not call, we're called to be piping hot and, and somehow we're, we spill out into the culture. But here's the reality. This is what the world does. There's nothing that the world does better than to cool off a passionately hot person of God really fast. So how do you know if you are lukewarm? Well, you say, James, well, I, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I, I may be lukewarm. Well, let me give you some indicators. Number one, if you cooled off. If you can say to yourself, I've cooled off. I'm not talking about changing your schedule. Uh, don't, don't make the mistake of, being, uh, of thinking that being on fire for God is about what you do. It's about your heart. It's about your heart See, some of us have this idea that if, if, we, if we stay in the community of faith and we, we attend some kind of gathering all the time, that that was what makes us spiritually hot. No, it's a heart issue. If you can say right now, I used to have more passionate love for God than I do right now, then there's a, there's, there, you, you just might be lukewarm. Number two, I've compromised. To become like, lukewarm is to become like the world around you. It was Paul that, Paul that said to, the, to Romans, don't be squeezed into the world's mold. And sometimes because of the pressures around us, because of trying to save face, because we're trying to keep a job promotion, because we're trying to keep everyone happy, we can just compromise and be squeezed into the world's mold. And so sometimes... Whatever climate we find ourselves in, that's the temperature that we pick up, whether it's at work or at school or in our home or in the neighborhood, on a sports team, wherever the case might be, we just kind of pick up that temperature. Number three, you get to a point where you say, I don't care. A sense of spiritual apathy has started to overwhelm your life. You can be like the cup that started hot and was so quickly cooled off Here's a question, how do I stay on fire? So if I discover, if I'm listening now and I think, well, maybe, James, I am a lukewarm or I am cold, how do I stay hot? What do I do? How do I keep the spiritual temperature of my life piping hot? There's a couple of methods that I think we use sometimes. The first one is the insulated cup or mug. The insulated cup, right? You take your stuff and you put it in the insulated cup or mug and it's supposed to stay hot or cold or whatever the case as long as you want it to. The problem is some of us have that view of our lives. And so we want to hang out with all of these uh, and all of these kind of Christian huddles. 
these be longer huddles where we just kind of stay there and we just feel like if we stay there all the time, then we'll become piping hot. The problem with that is we're not called to stay in the Christian huddle. We're called to impact the world. And to impact the world, you got to go out of the Christian huddle. So the insulation thing just doesn't work. So what happens sometimes, you walk out the building and it's like you're putting, a, you're putting the top on, right? Because you're trying to put the top on the insulated cup and you're trying to keep any from spilling out because you want to stay piping hot when the reality is that it's supposed to spill out. So when you seal the cup, it keeps the heat from reaching the world where the good news needs to be shared. The second method is I call it the microwave method. Have you ever taken something and put it in the microwave and put it on too? I, maybe you're not like me, but I always put too much time on the microwave. Anybody like that? And, and so depending on what your power of your microwave, things get hot a lot faster. I remember changing our microwave up because they don't last very long. We got one and I put one in our new kitchen and two years later it was, it was done. So we got a new one and I used the old temperature thing on a new microwave. And so I took the popcorn and I put in my old microwave three minutes. And three minutes was great. Have you ever burnt to a crisp microwave popcorn? Do you know how long it takes to get that smell out of your kitchen? The microwave method doesn't work either because what happens is we get piping hot. But as fast as we get hot, we get cold. Have you heated something up on the microwave and it was hot, turned around to do something and came back and it was cold? As fast as it gets hot, it gets cold. And, 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 and that's what we do as Christians. Sometimes we just feel like if we can get a mountaintop experience, if I can go somewhere where I can get this experience, mountaintop experience, then, I'm gonna, then I'll be great. I'll get that great microwave and I'll be piping hot and, and we go home and for a week we got it together and everything's working well and then all of a sudden we just cool off. And so you have this hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. And the problem is, the problem is all of that is about us. And here's the deal, we don't have enough energy, that's us being plugged into our own power source, and we don't have enough energy to keep ourselves hot. And so we do this hot cold. It's all based on our feelings. It's all based on our emotions. And we don't have enough energy in and of ourselves to keep ourselves piping hot. The reason it doesn't work is it's all based on my energy, and we don't have enough. The third method is what I call the powered-up heater Another way is to take a cup of coffee or, or to take a pot of coffee and you kind of set it on a, on a hot plate, right? You set it on that hot plate and oh, that hot surface and, and because the energy is not about your energy, it's about that, that hot plate or hot surface is plugged into something else and you get other en energy keeping you hot and that's what, it means, that's what it means to plug into the energies of God, to his Holy Spirit and he's supplying the energy and he's supplying the power and what ends up happening is we stay hot because the energy doesn't come from us, it comes from him. For those of you who think about this scientifically, remember the second law of thermodynamics. 
reminds us that a closed system eventually moderates so that no more energy is being produced in that system. And unless something is added from the outside to the closed system, it decays and it dies. That's why a cup of coffee or a cup of hot liquid cools off so fast. It loses the energy in a closed system. Here's the truth about Laodicea. It had a closed its doors personally to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was on the outside and they were on the inside and so the energy was gone. We need an outside energy source if we're going to be piping hot. And that energy source is the Lord Jesus Christ. So you start with being honest with yourself. And number two gets even a little worse, fess up. Listen to what he says. You brag, I'm rich. I've got it made. I need nothing from anyone. Oblivious that in fact you are pitiful, blind beggar, threadbare, and homeless. How do you think we meet our needs? In Laodicea, they thought it was by riches. And so their idea was what we acquire, riches, what we acquire, what we get, that made them think they were doing pretty well. I got a lot of money. I'm doing well. And then there's rules. Some people do it by rules, what, what we require. And the ideal is if I'm keeping all the rules, if I'm keeping all the rules and I'm, I'm paying attention to all of those lines, I'm, I'm dotting the I's and crossing the T, then I've got to be pretty deep. The problem with rule keepers, if that's your strategy, you usually love the rules and you hate people because people can't measure up to your rules. That's what the Pharisees were about. They loved the rules because they could keep them and made them look better than anyone else, and they looked down on everyone else. Sometimes it's about knowledge, what we inquire, right? The kind of knowledge that we gain in our lives. If I can get more knowledge, and, and people like this love to go to Bible studies. Is there anything wrong with Bible studies in and of itself? No. But you know, there are some people who all they do is go to Bible studies. I call them spiritual porkers. They just, they just eat, 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 spiritual food. Give me spiritual food, more Bible studies, more Bible studies. I mean, their Bible belt is on this last little tick there, right? They're getting ready to bust the, the belt off, and they never exercise. It's like diet and no exercise, and so they keep on eating. The problem with that is it doesn't work. Maybe it's... Uh, relationship, who you desire. Who do I really want to be with? And so I try to, I try to be with some people and, and some good people. And, and here I say, all of these by themselves, there's nothing wrong with them. But when this becomes our way of keeping spiritually hot, it fails. And then achievement, how I aspire. Those things that we think, if I could just reach this pinnacle, if I could just get this job, this office, this house, these clothes, if I could be should I say it, if I could be social media famous, maybe, just maybe, that would do it for me. The truth is, no matter how well we acquire, require, inquire, desire, or aspire, at the end of it all, we're all going to be done. If it's all built on us, it's not going to be enough. So Jesus says, I want you to see your desperate need. Picture this talk. 
It's like going to a doctor and a doctor says, um, if you don't do this, you're going to die this week. And you can say, Doc, I, I feel good. I mean, I just came here for a checkup. What are you talking about? I'm going to die this week. Uh, I don't like what you're saying, Doc. I'm going to go get a second opinion. And that works good with doctors. But when Jesus looks us in the eye and says, you know what? I know you think you're rich. I know you think you got it together. But you're a pitiful, homeless, threadbare beggar. Where do we go to for another opinion? He is the yes. He is the accurate, the faithful, and the true. He is worthy of our time. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our trust. So what does he say to, what does he say to them? He says to them, buy from him. Buy from Jesus. Jesus says to him, buy gold from me, gold that's been through the refining fire. Uh, he said these things all throughout the Gospels. I'm the one who meets needs. He says it again and again. He states it in terms of basic needs. Matthew 11, 28, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. He says in John 3, 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then he says that in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. The rest you need, the water you need, the food you need. Jesus isn't talking about rest, water, and food as, as he talks to the people of Laodicea or the people throughout the God. He's saying to them and to us, when you see me as the one who meets your most basic needs of life, you'll also see me as the one who will meet your deepest needs in life. Can I say that again? When you see me, when you see Jesus as the one who meets your basic needs, when you understand that the foods you have and the water you have and the shelter you have and these things that you have that he has made impossible, when you start to understand that, then you also know that if he can meet your basic needs, then he can meet your deepest needs. That's important because you know what? Sometimes we go around and we think, I did this. I worked hard for this. Not realizing that you don't even have control over the next breath you breathe. Because we can be gone like this. Only God gives the next breath. There's a reason that he talks to them about these things. This city was a baking city. They knew and understood gold. They were, the, they were the center of production of a fine black wool, an expensive wool. They knew about clothes. They were a fashion center. And in a temple outside of the city, they made these ointments that were supposed to be able to heal people who were blind. So once again, Jesus is talking directly. He's itching where they scratch. They know about gold. They know about fashion. They know about ointments. And he says, buy gold from me. Buy gold for me, gold refined in the fire, which equals faith. Peter talks to us about the fact that our faith is refined in the fire like gold. When it, 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 like gold. And he, he talks about the fact that when we go through troubling times, when we go through hardship, it refines us like gold refined in the fire. 
He says, get it from me. I'm your only source. White clothes or clean clothes to wear, that's purity. But the only reason why I can wear clean or white clothes, the only reason why I can be fit to stand before Christ is because of his grace that makes possible which I, what, that which I cannot make possible. You know what grace is? Grace is when we get what we don't deserve, salvation, and don't get what we do deserve, damnation, grace. And so no one, can, no one can be there at the last day and say, well, my clothes are cleaner than your clothes because all of us will be recipients of God's grace, medicine to cover your eyes, representing wisdom. He's talking about us seeing in a new way. He wants us to see the world through his eyes and not our eyes. He wants us to see with spiritual eyes. He wants us to be rich with spiritual values. He wants us to be clothed with spiritual values virtue. He wants us to see with spiritual vision. And then he says, run to God. I love this. Jesus knew how we would feel about right now. Jesus could look down the corridors of history and hear us reading this letter and hear us being called out Hear us being told that he knows us better than we know ourselves. Hear us being told that even though we think we this, we're actually this. He knew what we feel about right now. And some of you are feeling like I've really blown it. I wasted my time. I wasted my life. I wasted my heart. I haven't had the passion for God. The feeling for us, instead of drawing us to God, makes us feel distanced from him. So Jesus says this to him. I love this. I love this. The people I love, I call into account, I prod, I correct, I guide so that they'll live at their best. What's the purpose of guiding, correcting, and prodding? So that they will live at their best. Up on your feet then, about face, run after God. Even after they've blown them off even after they've done their own thing, even after they, they've been kind of had this self-sufficiency, he calls them, he calls us to turn around, to run after him. He's saying, the only reason I'm saying this to you, the only reason why you're feeling these things right now is because the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And the reason is because he loves us. That's the reason why he does it. See, there's a difference between discipline, what he does, and punishment, what we get from the world. Punishment makes you want to run and hide. If, if I'm up for some punishment, I don't want to hang around. I want to run and hide. I don't want to be anywhere near that. And a lot of people are afraid of being punished by God. Even a lot of Christians live their lives afraid of being punished by God. And so they run and they hide and they've been running for a long time. But discipline is very dis different. Discipline is a part of the home. If you mess up outside, you get punished, right? You can hide, you run. Someone might not find out. But, but I remember when you messed up at home, somebody was going to find out. And so there are eight, eight, eight of us in the family, nine of us in the family. And, um, and, and my dad would just kind of go down the folks, and say, who did this? Who did this? Who did this? And you know, we would all kind of not rat each other out. 
But my dad had it this way. Okay, if you're not going to tell who did it, then everyone's going to get it. And you know what? I'm writing you out. <laughs> I ain't going to get it for something I didn't do. I'm writing you out. And so the person would get ratted out. <laughs> Discipline. See, the difference is when you do something at home, you can't hide. And because God loves you, I hate it when my parents would say, I'm doing this for your own good. <laughs> I hated that. And my dad used to say something like this. I don't know if your dad says something. One day you're going to thank me for this. I said, fat chance. <laughs> I got 19 years old, and I had a conversation with my dad. And I went to him, and maybe I'm a nerd and you wouldn't do this, but at 19 years old, I went to my dad and said, thank you, because I saw so many people around me who didn't get disciplined. And it was, it was, it was bad. It was so much different. They had no boundaries. They ended up on drugs. They ended up in jail. They ended up dead. And I was so glad that my parents loved me enough to correct me, to prod me, and kept on loving me even after they did it. God loves you. How do you know it's God's discipline? I'll tell you how you know. When God disciplines, I don't feel guilty about it. I feel directed by it. I don't feel like God doesn't love me anymore. When he, he disciplines, he's not cloudy. When the adversary comes on you, when the adversary convicts you or, or tries to, he, he condemns you. It makes it really cloudy. Cloudy. Jesus, when he disciplines us, it's crystal clear. It's like a laser beam. There's one final thing that Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, excuse me. I want you to continually open the door to me. Keep the door open. Look at me. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear me call and open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. We usually use this verse when we're talking to people before they're Christians, before they're belongers, before they have a relationship with Jesus. But he's not talking about the before Christians here. He's talking about Christians here. And you say, James, why would he need to be at the door knocking on the outside and, and, and not in the door when they're Christians? Well, here's the reality. The first thing is he's going to keep on knocking, right? He's going to keep on knocking because he could kick the door in. But that's not him. He just stands at the door and knock, right? The reason why he's talking to Christians is because sometimes it's not the whole thing that's been, become lukewarm or cold. It's just a part of us. It's just maybe we, we had this hot passion for, for worship and we've just stopped it or outreach or, or discipline or, or growth or ministry and we just stopped it. And so he stands at the door and he knocks. He shows us who we are. And because he's the... He's the yes. And because he's the beginning, he's faithful and he's true. He'll come and show us ourselves. And he'll stand at the door and knock and wait for us to open the door. So Jesus is talking to Christians whose hearts have been closed, either fully or partly, And he just keeps on knocking. 
the king of the universe, the one who made you, just stands there. And, and because he loves you so much, he just stands there. He's a perfect gentleman waiting for you to hear. Listen. Listen very closely. If you do, you can hear that knock. Now, when you hear it, you can drown it out with busyness. You can double, redouble your schedule. But you know what? At some point in the journey, the noise stops, and we lay our head down on our pillow at night. And the knock starts to happen. And we can't ignore it. And we have to make the decision, am I going to hear the knock? And am I going to open the door to the one who is knocking? Now, I can just say, everything's okay. I'll be all right. I've got my money. I've got my stuff. Or I can hear it. And I can say yes. And what happens if you says, say yes? Here's what he says. If you hear me call and open a door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. So it's like we're across the table again, and he's having the conversation. And finally, he wraps it up like this. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table, just as I have, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's the gift for conquerors. And I love the fact that this church that he had nothing good to say about, this church that had all the stuff that they were depending on for their spiritual fervor, but they were, they were lukewarm at best. They were vomit type of material. And he still says to them, you can still conquer. You can overcome this lukewarmness. You can be piping hot again. And so let me ask you the question this morning in closing, whether you're in the auditorium or listening to me online, what's your spiritual temperature like today? So we're going to end this a little bit differently. I'm going to want us to close our eyes. Don't worry about what's going to happen when you leave here today. And I want you to listen to listen to the wind words, the spirit flowing through the church. Listen. Because he has a really good way of putting a mirror in front of our face. He has a really good way of showing us who we are. Can you hear the knock? He's a God who sits at the door, and he just knocks. And he's waiting for us to respond. Maybe there was a place in your life that was piping hot at one time, and it's, cold, it's cooled off. Maybe it, it just, before you even knew it, it just stopped. Maybe you were, maybe you were just kind of doing the, the purposes of worship and, and, and growing in him and doing ministry and reaching out to others to be salt and light, and somehow, somewhere, it just kind of stopped. Maybe you've gotten too busy. Maybe the cares of the world has kind of, kind of got in the way, 
And he's saying, remember your first love. Maybe it's been about relationships, bad relationships. Maybe there's stuff that you once thought was, was bad and, and, and now with the culture creeping in, you just think, oh, it's all right. It's no big deal. It won't hurt anyone. Maybe it's something that you watch on the computer screen. He stands at the door and knocks. And we have a response. Father, thank you for being the God who loves us so much. You care about us so much that you just stand and knock. Father, help us not to ignore your spirit speaking to the church. Help us by your grace, and we only can do it by, by your grace anyway. Help us to open the door. And your promise, Father, is that you'll come in and you'll, you'll do community with us. You'll break bread of life with us. Bread that, so we hunger no more. Water so we thirst no more. So, Father, today there are a couple of folks represented in this crowd and online, people who are stone cold. They're apathetic. They don't care about you. They've stopped caring. Today, Father, you want to do a supernatural transformation. And, Lord, if they hear you knocking afresh and anew again, right now they can say yes, yes to your knock. They can say, God, I've done my own thing. I want to turn around. I, well, I, I, I want to know you. I want you to be CEO of my life. Come and be in control. Forgive my rebellion, my running away, my sin, and come into my life and make your home in my heart. The Bible says if you, if you confess the Lord with your mouth, if you say, I you are Lord, you are Savior, you are the creator of the world, you are the one who died on the cross. I believe in you. I believe that you can save me. The Bible says that we are then saved. There's another group represented here, people who were piping hot, who have cooled off to the point of being lukewarm or even cold. And God is standing at the door and he's knocking once again, and today, you can plug into the power source of the Holy Spirit that will keep you piping hot. Thank you, Father, for being the God who loves us enough to keep on knocking, who loves us enough to call out our lukewarmness and to say it's not enough it's not enough to do the middle, middle road, either go hot or cold, but lukewarm won't do. Thank you for being that God. Help us to love you like you love us. Amen, we pray, amen. Hey folks, some of you made some decisions today. Maybe you talked to God uh, I tell you what, there's a lot of things we do here at Selwyn Fields Community Church, but there's nothing more important than the decision that you've made and helping you follow up on that decision. So Rich is going to come in a moment and, and tell you about how 
uh, you can let us know so that we can help you follow up. And here's the deal, even if you don't follow up with one of us, follow up with someone who is a Christian, someone that you, that you trust, because we're not made to do this by ourselves. We're made to do life in community. Would you do that for me? God bless you. Love you guys. Thank you, Pastor James. And, and so like he said, if you made a decision, whether that was a decision to you know, accept Jesus as your Savior or even just, you know what, I, I just want some prayer. I, I just want to be able to make sure that, that I'm walking this out, that I am that hot Christian and not that lukewarm or that cold. And so we just want to be able to just pray for you. And so wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, uh, we just want to encourage you. Go to SalemFields.com slash decision. And it really, it takes 15 seconds. Uh, just put your name there and put the decision down that you made today. And then somebody from our staff will just reach out and get in touch with you. Um, because we do. We want to connect with you, whether that's just praying for you, whether it's getting you plugged into a, a life group, or really just some encouragement or some resources to be able to help you on this walk. It, it's super important. So I really want to encourage you. Just take that step uh, as, again, another one that you just made here today. Uh, and really, we'll just uh, walk alongside of you on this journey. And so if you're a guest with us. Uh, we're so glad that you're here, that you decided to, to check out this community. We want you to know that no matter where you've come from, you belong here. Uh, and so if, if you actually just want to text uh, SF Connect to 94,000, uh, there's just going to be something that pops up there and just write down your name. Uh, again, that takes about 10 seconds as well. And then we'll have somebody from our team reach out to you, get to know you a little bit and answer any question that you might have. Uh, and then also lastly, um, the, again, one of the ways that we worship God here is just through our giving, right? Giving God the first fruits of what he's given us. And so hopefully you've experienced the joy of that. Um, and again, we thank you so much for your generosity because it helps us carry out the vision and mission that God has given this place at Salem Fields. But we wanted to just bring your attention that we have a new way uh, to give. We still have the online uh, salemfields.com slash giving and we still have the giving kiosk. But now you can text SFGIVE to 94000. And again, it will pop right up and you'll just be able to give safely and securely there. But again, thank you so much uh, because through your generosity, we're able to share this real hope uh, with everyone everywhere. And so thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, we love y'all. We're praying for y'all. Also want to encourage you as you leave, check out that fireworks table, grab a card, invite your friends and your family uh, so that we can have an awesome time on September 5th. And so we love you guys. We'll see you back next week.